Welcome to today's show. We've got two of my good friends, Alex Rubchinsky and Sarah Gustafson, who are soon to be married. Uh, very exciting. They were going to actually be married and then quarantine. Uh, well, it fucked up a lot of things, but it definitely fucked up their wedding plans. So that got pushed back a bit. Um, I first met Alex right when I got to Austin and started working at Onnit. Um, there was a lot of people that were introducing me to, and, and um, I think uh, some word got back to him. They're like, "Hey, there's there's a there's a big fan of Paul Checks in the building. You should you should meet him. He's working here now. He used to fight in the UFC. That kind of shit. That's what was, Alex had heard, and then I had heard that there was a Czech practitioner in the building, and I was like, "No shit, I got to get some work done." And um, we ended up hooking up and uh, working with each other. Uh, Alex is doing jujitsu as well at 10th Planet and lots of cool synchronicities. And, and we've become really close friends after the last three years. Sarah, his partner, has been an amazing teacher, an amazing friend to myself and my wife, Natasha. They've got a beautiful family and we've just learned so much from them. I was like, hey, you guys are rocking and rolling. You got your online business going. Let's get you on the podcast. Let's discuss a wealth of your knowledge and uh, share it. So lots of cool stuff going on. Stay tuned at the end. I'll be talking about um, what they're doing online right now. So if you're interested in working with them as uh, coaches, they have some great offerings for people as most people have transitioned to online communities. Um, these guys have a lot of wisdom. They've taken many of Czech's uh, courses uh, through the Czech Institute and have leveled up and continue to expand upon those, including everything we talk about today and more, but we take a deeper dive into archetypes today, which is really cool, especially in response to relationships. Uh, I've had various experts on the show when it comes to relationships. Some talked about polyamory or different forms of a relationship, different forms of communication, but I think it's a really cool way to look at relationships through the lens of archetypes and through the lens of how we grow from boyhood to manhood, from girlhood to womanhood, and step into our wild selves. So lots of interesting stuff today here on the show. Once again, stay tuned at the end. Um, they're doing a discount for all the listeners over at primalfusionhealth.com slash Kyle. I'll link to that in the show notes and talk a bit more about it at the end. But uh, here we go. Uh, check out these sponsors because they really do make this show possible. This episode is brought to you by Grass-Fed Intestines with Tripe by Ancestral Supplements. Ancestral Supplements makes New Zealand source nose-to-tail organ meats, bone marrow, and intestines in simple, convenient gelatin capsules. According to the great John Fire Lame Deer. By the way, I'm fu- this is a fucking rad synchronicity. I'm reading the book Lame Deer Seeker of Visions right now. And if you're into this kind of stuff, I cannot recommend this book enough. It is it is absolutely phenomenal. One of the best books I've ever read on Native American wisdom. So according to the great John Fire Lame Deer, the eating of guts evolved into a contest. Quote, in the old days, we used to eat the guts of the buffalo, making a contest of it. Two fellows getting a hold of a long piece of intestine from opposite ends started chewing towards the middle, seeing who can get there first. That's eating. Those buffalo guts, full of half-fermented, half-digested grass and herbs, you didn't need any pills and vitamins when you swallowed those. End quote. Intestines, stomach, tripe, and other gelatinous parts of, of the animal provided concentrated amounts of connective tissue, undenatured collagen, probiotics, and other gut-specific proteins that are now absent from the modern diet. Visit ancestralsupplements.com and see what they can do for you, and if you punch in code word KING10 at checkout, you're going to get 10% off 
everything in the store, ancestral supplements putting back in what the modern world has left out. We are also brought to you today by Hydrant. Top performance in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, meditation, fill in the blank, but not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We are suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus, and it doesn't have to be that way. These guys are phenomenal. They've got rapid hydration mixes that has four essential electrolytes that your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. The precise blend of electrolytes found in their mix helps your body hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And it's backed by research. This formula was developed by an Oxford scientist to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors, stevia, or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavor packs or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply, and you save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com slash Kyle or enter promo word K-Y-L-E in all caps at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com slash Kyle and enter promo code Kyle, all caps, for 25% off your first order. These guys are phenomenal. Uh, One of the ways I've transitioned off of coffee is by using their product. And uh, I don't use it daily, but certainly it's one of my absolute favorite pre-workouts. These guys uh, do a lot. So we've had some questions. Why does Hydrant contain a little bit of sugar in it? Uh, Function first, taste second. Sugar activates the sodium glucose co-transport mechanism within your body, essentially working as a molecular pump in your gut. When the pump is activated, aka when sugar is present, your cell's absorption rate of electrolytes and water is sped up by helping you hydrate faster. Products without sugar are unable to take advantage of this effect. So how much sugar is good and how much is bad? I think it's about four grams or six grams per packet, which according to uh, the Keto Gains guy who Rob Wolf has had on, um, anything under 10 grams is fine. And actually, if you are on a ketogenic diet and you go to lift weights, having about 10 grams is actually the perfect number to get you to still have glycolytic output. So high intensity intervals, if you're ketogenic, or if you're carnivore, uh, it's definitely the way to go, and it's not going to kick you out of ketosis. So lots of good stuff there. Um, be sure to check out our family wines at dryfarmwines.com slash Kyle if you want to get a penny off. And as always, remember, One Farm. One Farm is the very best in CBD. It's one of the best hemp products on the planet. They are USDA certified organic. We know how that important that is for the planet at this time, but it's so important for us as well. It heals the soil, and as above, so below, that helps our microbiome. They are full spectrum, absolutely essential when it comes to CBD and any other hemp products that we get it just the way nature intended with every single alkaloid, every single cannabinoid, and every single terpene that we could possibly get in there. All of that's there with nothing else. They use 100% CO2 extraction, and the flavoring of their tinctures is phenomenal. They use an MCT oil base. Cinnamon's my favorite. Bear absolutely loves it. Uh, The lemon's good. They have an unflavored. And they've got a phenomenal selection of night creams and facial serums for the missus or for any other ladies that are in your life that you want to really be able to help them look and feel their best and stay young. Check it all out at onefarm.com slash Kyle, and you'll get 15% off your entire order. That's onefarm.com slash Kyle, and that's 15% off everything there. Very cool. So happy to have Alex and Sarah on the show. Let me know what you think on the gram over at Living with the Kingsburys. 
my little my little brunch snack here, uh, which we might see on video here. No, no, no worries about it for the YouTubers. Um, Alex and Sarah, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's awesome to be here. Well, we are. Um, I think I met Alex first here at On It two and a half, maybe three years ago. And, uh, you know, you were the first person that I really, I was like, I was like, fuck yeah, I got to work with that guy because obviously I'd been, it's, but this is, this predates getting to meet Paul check who's, you know, been on this show more than anyone else. And will con- likely continue to be that person until the day he dies. And, um, somebody was telling me like, Oh, we actually have like a, a check practitioner here. And I was like, wait, 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 in the house at on it. And I was like, hell yeah, this is awesome. And so, uh, we had done some work together. We worked on inch crawls and some of the different uh, mechanics of early childhood development. And we'll, we can dive into that and why that's important. Uh, obviously, we have a baby on the way. So that's, that's something I definitely want to pay attention to. And then got to meet your amazing fiance, who is also incredibly well-versed. And uh, I, just from our conversations and hanging out as friends, really got to understand you better. But it was a podcast that I'll link to in the show notes that you did recently with Paul mm-hmm. that fucking blew my mind. <laughs> Absolutely blew my mind. And I was like, all right, we're getting them on the podcast. Um, you guys are also doing online coaching amidst uh, the COVID pandemic. We will call it that because that's the way it's labeled. Uh, not necessarily what I believe, but right. <laughs> it, it, is, it is what it's been labeled. So we can call it that. And uh, obviously you guys have, because of that, and a lot of people having to shift a lot of their work uh, with clients to online formats. And uh, we're going to dive into all that stuff, what you guys are offering, your knowledge base. But as we do on this show with everyone is we start from the beginning, as far back as you want to go. And we can just take this one at a time and really talk about what led you guys to become the health and wellness professionals that you are today. So Sarah, let's start with you. Let's let, let's lead with the divine feminine oh, and uh, get into your, your backstory. <laughs> Because, um, you know, I think that's, that's if there's one common trait amongst people who really push themselves to be the best in any industry, there, there is likely some set of crisis that is the, the, uh, <laughs> the birthplace for a deep desire and yearning to learn and grow. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are there's several firewalks that... Um, that I had to go through to get where I am, and I'm going to be 40 on Sunday. So, like my my life is sort of divided up by these firewalks, and so my my life is littered with several births and rebirths, if you could say. And I've got you know quite a colored past. And it would start with one: I, I was a very sick kid. And I missed out on my whole childhood. So you could say I was destined to do what I do now, but I ignored that most of my life. I was always like trying to keep up with the pack and and I was a people pleaser. I wanted to be the best and I was the youngest of four. And so I was always too little for this, too dumb for that. And uh, being sick, I was always trying to catch up with, with everything. And I always felt like I wasn't good enough. Um, I wasn't strong enough. I, you know, and so every time I was bringing my head above water, I was overachieving to uh, get to where my as smart as my sister, as strong as my brother, as talented as my other sister, et cetera. 
And so that developed this sort of, you know, all of these different characters in my psyche that uh, led me into being in in college for 12 years, (laughs) going from one major to another to another and one career to another to another. So I started out in in government. I worked on Capitol Hill for a few years, and I worked on political campaigns uh, for a while. And then I went into venture capital, and I worked in D.C. for some time. And then I got married pretty young, and I was a young mommy, and that was very stressful. It was the wrong marriage, and moved back to Texas. And that's when I started getting really into social justice and went back to college again and studied criminal justice and psychology. And I was about one um, one step away from getting into the police academy. Well, I, I was enrolled in the police academy. I was about to join APD. Anytime someone says police academy, I think of the, the six mm-hmm. movies. Yes. <laughs> well, I loved those thought. movies. I loved them. Move it, uh, move it, move it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and um, that's when I, uh, at the same time, I got my... my uh, my training for to become a personal trainer as well, because of course, if I'm going to be a cop, I got to be as strong as all the other men and started training and bodybuilding. And by that time, I'd already been diagnosed with celiac disease and fibromyalgia. And the only thing that had reversed fibromyalgia was um, go to sleep at the same time every night, drink quality water, uh, don't eat like a, a shithead and take care of your body. And so I had to keep this regimen. And around the time I started doing the training, um, I was watching all these videos. I was following uh, Charles Poliquin, and I came across this video um, on the bottom of the screen uh, of Paul Check. And I was like, who's this guy? And and I clicked on it, and he started talking about the um, four doctors. And I was like, well, this is the same shit I've been doing. This is what reversed the fibromyalgia. So I started getting interested in him, and simultaneously, that's when my second child got very ill and was in the hospital. She had vaccine injury, and uh, we had to go through so much of a mess with her for a year. My mother was diagnosed with diabetes. My dad had his third heart stint. My aunt was diagnosed with colon cancer. So I felt like I was constantly in and out of doctor's offices with my family and researching nutrition So then I started studying nutrition and like university, you know, UT, Texas State, all the universities, their their nutrition uh, curriculum was was shit. And Paul Check was the only one that made sense. Like you couldn't argue what he was teaching. So I started with the Czech Institute. And um, that's when I started learning about circadian rhythms. And when I knew that once I get into the get into APD, it's two years night shift. Mm. Um, you can't get away from that before you can go on to, um, you know, up the chain. So that was a no-no for me. And uh, along with some other things, and I won't won't get into that, but I also knew that I would be a part of the problem in terms of, social justice issues and so um so like for profit prison systems and um so i turned on my heels on that and went into the check institute and didn't look back and that caused a big problem in my marriage which soon began to crumble and then i met that guy, that guy over there <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and i was still married when we met at hlc3 
Yeah, but that was that was my story. The, the whole colored past had so many different careers, so many different passions, but all of those things have served me so well in what I do now. I mean, working in venture capital and and politics, government, uh, the criminal justice system, legal, psychology, all of that has served me in in our practice and growing a business and uh, growing a family. So. Um, it allows me to continue to do the research that I've done. And when I started getting into my research about 10 years ago in women's health and putting together that course that I talked about on the podcast with Paul, um, that's what really kicked it up for me and, and really lit a fire under my ass. Um, yeah. And that's when I knew that like, I'm, I'm now on the right path. I'm, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I had to go through all of those things um, the marriage, the, the, all of the conflicts, my, my both children who got sick and I lost near, lost one of them nearly, um, to liver failure. So our relationship, I'm sure we'll get into that, has been its own firewalk. And, um, that's a huge part of our coaching as so many people quit when it when they're faced with the challenge and rather than seeing the relationship as that the path to spiritual enlightenment itself and and looking at the challenge as this is your mirror and um so we we are huge advocates of of plant medicine and we feel that the relationship that you can be in like love is such a great tool uh to wake up and to heal yourself and to use that to integrate those things that you, those insights that you gain and to integrate that into your life daily and practice those things daily. It's just so hard when you're in the ego because uh, you see that person and you see that person as the adversary and <laughs> you see that person as someone who represents their faults and their, uh, their ticks and the person that's judging you and criticizing you and not not seeing you and not seeing the value in you and not seeing all the other things you do and it it just brings up all of that stuff that you know that you don't want to see in yourself and that's that's where the growth is that's where um that's where you want to do the work and that's where a lot of people just take off. Yeah. They think the grass is greener or they'll find somebody who clicks with them better or hears them better or sees them more fully. For a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's always the case. That's the magic of the hot sauce that our chemistry does for right. us, right? Yeah. To, to, to bring in that attraction mm -hmm. just long enough to create children mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and then all the work happens, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, plenty to dive into there with relationships and we're certainly going to do that. Alex, Tell us a bit about uh, what got you into all this. Um, well, I tried college and I tried, well, well, I was born in Ukraine. So when we moved here, I didn't speak English. My parents barely spoke English. And so when I was going through school, no one really had, I didn't really have parents to fall onto and be like, hey, can you help me with literature, history, you know, English, writing. And it was like, they can help me with math and art, you know, and so Pretty much all the other things, I was in a sharp decline. So in, I'm, I'm grateful that in my nature, I learned through observation and then 
touching an application. So like doing the show me, let me do it. And then I learn it and then I don't forget it. And so I had to learn a lot that way. And so when I was trying to go through school, my parents were like, always like, Hey, by the way, they're great people. So if I ever talk like harshly about them, (laughs) they are doing their best. And it's, you know, watching them as I grow, seeing them for who they are is like, Whew, you guys do a lot, you know, but, and they're just not given the tools. Like most people aren't given the tools, you know, they're just, you know, came here when they were in the twenties and with a four-year-old not speaking a lick of English with no money. And it's like, all right, they got to work. So as I tried to go through the the school system, like middle school, you know, high school, try to do college. And it was, it was just, I, I barely passed high school tried college and I was like, and I would start out with A's and then my just, my interest would just decline. Like, this is not what I'm supposed to do. So my mom one day was like, Hey, you want to do personal training? I should tell him about getting arrested first. That kind of set the whole thing. I was like, Hey, you've, you skipped over that part. (laughs) (laughs) Don't leave out the juicy details. Let's go. So let me, let me back up a little bit. Talk about jail. Yeah. (laughs) So me not knowing how to fit in because me trying to figure out like, what's the right social place to be in and, I've always always been, if you ask my parents, like any, any time they're like, he's always a good natured kid, always loves animals, always loves people. Whenever he's at a park, he'd always talk to the, the grandmas and grandpas because that's who he's interested in. And now it makes sense because I'm trying to pull elder knowledge out of him, you know? And, um, I attracted someone, my, my elder, you know, who is older. Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, I got, you know, trying to fit in, seeing where I fit into different groups. And so going back again before we moved to Ukraine I died when I was three in the hospital and they had to revive me and so life has been confusing up until like years ago until until I met Paul basically where he explained to me what I've been going through and why all these things come up for me and then it's like okay this is starting to make more sense so now I'm in America I don't like I'm I by six I already learned how to speak English watching tv and listening to people talk and um now I'm, you know, middle school trying to fit in. I'm terrible at school. I don't know how to read very well and and absorb and then regurgitate the information that people wanted to hear. So I barely pass high school. And as I'm as I'm going through high school, I have friends that are causing trouble. And I'm like, this is fun. This is great. This is a lot of fun. You know, like, hey, we can make money doing, you know, going into people's cars and taking stuff out of their cars and we can go sell them. This is great. You know, that's all it is. Not realizing it was a felony, you know? And then, so one day I was driving home and I got pulled over and like, Hey, what is all this stuff in your car? I don't know. What is this? I don't know. Why is there a name of this on your car? Uh, in, in this bag is that, do you know anyone with, uh, get out of the car. So I got put in jail for the day and you know, my, I'm like, just don't call my parents. Obviously I was 17. They called my parents and not still not realizing what I've done. I'm just like, I'll, I'll get out of this. Well, we start getting to court and then I'm like, still like, whatever. We start getting to the verdict and my parents are sitting there and they're like, you know, oh, he got convicted with a, uh, a class two, class B. I don't know what it was, but it was a felony, a burglary charge. And then I was like, okay, cool. And then I look over and they're, they, I just see this look of failure on them. And I was like, this is not what I wanted to do. I was just trying to get some attention my parents are working all the time. They're never around. Like normally I, I get yelling. I don't get no yelling. That scared the shit out of me. 
because I'm in my heart, I'm like, I'm a good natured person. All I want to do is help people. And I pick up trash off the floor and when no one's looking and, and random stuff like that. Like I'll put the cart back, you know, little stuff that people don't really care about, but I'm like, these are my values. I want to make sure that everything's in alignment and mother nature is good. And when I saw that look on their face, it scared the shit out of me. And I was like, oh, I think it just fucked up for real. And it, changed the whole course of where I, where I was going. I pretty much cut off all the people that were causing trouble in my life that weren't aligned with that message of, I want to help people, not hurt people. So then I just started working out. And then I went from being you know, a football player in high school and just started training. And then in you know, within six months after I got arrested, I was on probation. And what was interesting at the probation, um, they, were, they, were, they were interviewing me and they called three other people over to re-interview me. And I'm like, I don't understand why you guys are asking me these questions. I gave you the same answer. I'm not understanding. They're like, well, for your felony charge, there's no one answers these like this. So we're just confused as to why a kid like you would get a felony charge. And I told you, I'm like, this isn't me. This is just, I thought this was this. I was just having fun. I didn't know that this was hurting all these people. And like, this is social structure of, you know, a crime. And they're like, okay, so they gave me the most minimal probation sentence and, you know, uh, paid some restitution, did some community service. And so to get out of trouble, I started working out. So I'd go to work. I'd work at like GNC or valet or I was a bouncer at one point and then playing football after after uh, high school. And uh, then I started working out. My parents were like, dude, you're not working out. What are you doing at from 12 to 3 in the morning? I'm like, I swear to God, I'm working out. Well, six months later, they're like, all right, this kid's working out. Because I just kept growing and growing and growing. And they're like, you should go to school because your family friends are really intelligent and they're going to be anesthesiologists and nurse and nurse practitioners. And I was like, this isn't for me. Okay, well, you're going to come work with me at the shop. I'm like, that's not for me. I like working out. And they're like, well, why don't you go to personal training school? I was like, okay. So that was the first place that I went to school that I literally absorbed everything without any effort. And I was already coaching inside the school while I was in the school and answering questions while my head was down, paying attention to something else. And they would pick on me like, Hey, do this. What, what is the answer to this? And I'd be like, you know, biceps some more. They're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't mess with him because he's clearly absorbing, you know? So I finished personal training school, started working at lifetime. Um, and they just kind of thought I was just like, you know, badass. I was like, I knew what I'm doing, helping people grow, helping people change, grounding people. And then one day this, this guy, was doing something that I was like, I'm going to challenge this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And he popped his head in and, and I, he, he like poked his head up and he was like, what did you just say to me? He was, I'm like, why, why? You can't be doing that. You're going to hurt yourself. He goes, why? I'm like, because that you're going to hurt yourself. He goes, but why? My spine moves in this direction. Why can't I do this? And he asked me a question that kind of like messed me up because I thought I knew. And then I'm like, where did you learn that you could do this? And he's like, well, you have two, two options that I recommend. He goes, Paul Check or Charles Poliquin. So it's funny. We have that same <laughs> Charles Poliquin thing. So I was like, well, tell me about both. And he told me about Charles and told me about Paul. And I was like, you know what? I like, I like what I'm hearing because I was a fat kid growing up. Then I went, I went into football and wrestling and played volleyball. And my whole body transformed. And I was like, all right. People treated me different when I looked different. This is so interesting. So then... I went through football and then after high school, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to get lean. So this is what, this is the whole phase now that I'm backing up to 18 after I got arrested, I'm just working and I was bulked up. I was like 220 pounds. I was like, let me see if I can just 
focus on my diet and see what happens. So I have lifting under my belt. I have like just changing my diet under my belt and just transforming my body. I've never seen abs in my body before. And so until I, well, back when I was six years old, because I came here as like a, you know, Ukrainian kid who barely ate, you know? And, (laughs) and so now I'm like, okay, well, exercise and (laughs) diet. Yeah. And I've already gone through the whole supplement train. I was like, I don't want supplements. So when he showed me Paul, I was like, this seems logical. And so I just bought Exercise Coach. I spent like $6,000 right out of my pocket. My parents were like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you got to be saving for rent and money and so you can get a house and support a family. And I'm like, I got this. You know, so I had all that. And they're like, you're never going to be a good as a personal trainer. You're not going to work. You're not going to provide for a family as a trainer. And they were right. I had to become a check practitioner to do that but and be more well-versed and a manual therapist, all those things. Um, not saying other people can't do it. I was just, that, was, that wasn't my path, but... So that was kind of that rabbit hole. And then the moment I picked up Paul's, um, was it scientific uh, back training? I was like, this is what is in my head, but I can't put the words to it and the right steps, but this makes, and it just blew my mind. And then I just started binging his content. And I think within two years, I was already an HLC2 and a CP2, which is like five five whole courses into his thing. I was already done with that. And it took me like an extra two years to get into CP3 and then another three years because I missed his CP4. And then I finally became a master check practitioner like almost three years ago now. But that's how I got into it. It was just like I talked to one guy and he brought up his name and everything in my body just lit up like this is truth i need to go look this way and that's i just never look back and this guy tried to offer me something else he's like hey you can look into this and i was like last time you told me to look into something i completely dove into it for 10 years so i'm 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 gonna pause on that for a second so but um is there anything i missed i missed I mean, a lot there's a lot to obviously you yeah. know you're 32 years old yeah yeah <laughs> an interesting that's, life. that's phenomenal and paula quinn who, who passed away not too long ago yeah. was just a brilliant, brilliant dude, you know, and there's one of my favorite pictures is, is with, uh, at, at the heaven house in San Diego with Charles Poliquin and Paul check with the Chicago bulls. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you're in their fucking heyday and you're from Chicago, yeah. Alex. Yeah. So it's like, to think of that, like who's be who are the people that are behind, like for every great man, there's an even greater woman behind him or whatever, mm-hmm. not behind them in tandem with them. Mm-hmm. That that's saying you could look at, with a positive light or a negative light depends on your approach to it. But it's like for every great sports team, who are the unsung heroes behind them? Mm-hmm. I mean, these oh, guys yeah. had Paul check and Charles Poliquin, like two <clears throat> of the greatest of all time when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, that's fantastic. I think about those, those little moments in life where, you know, the, the synchronicity is so sound that you're just, there's, there's, it's undeniable. It's like, yeah. Oh, this is the thing I'm going to do now. And it's, it's, uh, you know, you look back on it in hindsight and you're like, damn, you know, like, where would I be without that moment? You know, but that's mm-hmm. right in a way like we're, we are led there, you know, yeah. so that's something cool. that I pray for is like not like enlightenment or wisdom is or, you know, be able to jump higher. The one thing I really pray for is being able to see what is in front of me that I need to see and I need to pay attention to. Because, you know, a lot of people have opportunities come up and they're like, ah, I'm just going to move past this one. Like Sarah was one of those people, you know, she came up and I was like, she's married. How is this going to work? You know, we live in different states, but something was like, just keep working with her. 
just, just keep working she's with her. She's being a bitch to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> super rude. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. You know, I, Fairly enough, I start off being rude first because, yeah, funny story to that. But, weird. <clears throat> yeah. But it's like something is like it just keeps pulling me back to her. And I was like, okay, okay. I This is that thing that I need to pay attention to and just fall into. And then six months later, she's pre- or two months later, she's divorced. Four months after that, she's pregnant. <laughs> And then things line up the three months later, I'm moving up. down here. Yeah. And now, now I've been here almost six years, five years. And they say, you know, if your, your dream is big enough, I don't know who said this, but you know, if your dream is big enough, you don't need a crisis. And mm. so if you look back on your life and you look at all the crises in your life, it's, you can identify how like pretty clear you weren't dreaming big enough. You weren't listening to what you're supposed to be doing. And I look back on my life and I'm like, it's pretty fucking clear. Like I wasn't listening. I was listening to everybody else. I was listening to, well, you know, my dad would be so happy if I did this, if I pursued political science. My dad would be really happy if I pursued business, venture capital. That would make him so proud. He'd be able to talk to everybody at church and be like, oh, my daughter, Sarah. You know, like I, I was listening to that. I was listening to my former husband. I was listening to all of these other voices that were still just shitter chattering of the, you know, that conditioning, the social conditioning, this cultural conditioning, the religious conditioning, the the familial conditioning that I had growing up and all of that inner stuff. And like that's still there. It's it's just also changed too. I'm also starting to see how some of that was my own own working, my own doing, because I see my parents is different. I see how much they tried and even my own stubbornness wanted to see things differently and how I programmed myself as a kid. So it, it continues to change and shift. And, and so you don't, you don't need a crisis if you're actually dreaming big enough. And I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't listening to that voice. I was given the illness that I was given because that was what I was supposed to be doing. That was my firewalk so that I could help others out of that. And, you know, now, now that I've gone through the firewalks that I'm supposed to go, that I was supposed to go through, I now understand women. I know I now understand what women go through and I can help them go through that. And so they can help other women go through that. I now can help men understand women's unique human experience so that it gives it a voice and they can they can then work with them and be in relationship with them and same for Alex like he he went through death twice so now he understands life and he can help people understand how to enjoy life and so that's that's why we go through these crises. But if you're going through the same fucking crisis all the time, like you're not listening. Yeah, the pain teacher will whisper <laughs> in your ear to begin with, and eventually knock on the door, and eventually <laughs> yeah. roll the whole fucking house over. Right? right? Or have you yeah. step on a nail? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We did right. that the other day. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's unpack that. Let's talk relationships here because um, you know I've had I've only. I've only brought up relationships with a few different people on the podcast, I think, and through different angles. You know, Dr. Wednesday Martin is fantastic. She has a certain viewpoint on it. Obviously, you know, we, my goal of that conversation, as many feathers that were ruffled by it, was simply to 
offer a a different lens, but b what are the what are the global things that that help people in relationship? Whether you're polyamorous, monogamous, doesn't matter. Like what are the what are these you know um, foundational pieces that everyone in relationship, which we all are, whether we even if we're not in romantic relationship, we're still in relationship. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're mm-hmm. a brother, you're a sister. You're always in some relate. You're an employee or a boss, a manager. There's many relationships, many masks and hats that we have to wear. But let's dive into, um, you know, loving relationships with 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 our partners. And what are some of the key foundational pieces that you guys have come to understand? And, and I guess this is a loaded question, but and you can take it. You can start with whatever way you want. Maybe I can. Hopefully, if my brain works right, I can uh, <laughs> finish the round out. What key elements? should men know about women that will help them better in relationship? Hmm. That is a loaded, that's a very loaded question. Oh my God. Well, so I, one, I think really getting to understand the archetypes is very important. Um, but understanding how the feminine and the masculine works, um, and so understanding the masculine archetypes is very important to understand the woman. Understanding yourself is important because I feel as though, and Alex is working on this too with um, you know, his courses with the masculine archetypes, is if you haven't healed the, the child in, in the lover masculine archetype, for instance, the child is always going to want the woman to be his mommy. And then that will shove the woman into almost a masculine role. And so the four main archetypes for women, universal, um, are going to be the maiden and the wild woman and the nurturer, which is like the mother, the creator, and the crone or the wise woman. We carry those because this is like a developmental um you know, archetypal sequence for the woman. And we have these innately in in us all the time, and we can pull them. They're like our counsel. And if we are not connected to these, so socioculturally, women tend to be pushed into a masculine role. And I'm very masculine. I'm very much in my animus. And and, uh, it can be very difficult because as the CEO, I have to transition. And a lot of women are like this. A lot of women are going through this and it's very difficult. And so if the the man in the relationship, if it's heterosexual relationship or even homosexual relationship or same partner, and there's a one masculine and one's more feminine, um, there needs to be some sort of a balance of the feminine and the masculine. And if you're pushing one partner to be too much of one, it's going to be without a balance. Um, and one's more of a child, it's just not sexy. It's just, it's just not sexy to be that, to be always needed, to always be expected of something, to always to be, um, you know, not heard, not seen. So it creates like a codependent relationship right. in a certain sense. Yeah. So the woman needs to feel at some point uh, that if she's expressing a feeling, a need, or a desire, that she is being heard, not seen as the mother giving a, you know, you didn't clean your room, like a job performance to the son. 
And the son is then reacting like, well, what about this or what about that? And getting really defensive because that causes the woman to then retract. She doesn't trust him anymore because she when she takes a feeling, a need or a desire to her man, it's because she trusts him. She sees him as the warrior. She sees him as the king. And she trusts him with her vulnerability. And if he reacts as the boyish child to the mother, then she starts to lose trust and she hardens. And and so that is, that's a huge thing that I see so often and it's so common and it's been in our relationship. Uh, and, and it's something that, that's had to be, be healed in our relationship. And it's also me being eight years older too. So then what happens in me is the crone, the shadow of my crone then comes out as judgmental and impatient and intolerant. And so that will then pull on the shadows of the woman. Mm. And you're going to see two shadows fighting each other. And so that's where the difficulty comes, but also the opportunity to grow in a relationship. When you see two shadows fighting each other, that's where you can look at each other and go like, here's my shadow and here's your shadow. Let's, let's look at those. Um, you just have to provide those space. The other thing, you know, if you want to look at foundational things about women, key differences is that it's, it's not that we can just make babies. There's four phases of our cycle. If you're looking at the, you know, a fertile woman and throughout these phases of our cycle, we go through lots of shifts, lots of different shifts. And so, um, you know, the first phase of our cycle, like our, our, we, all of our hormones are down and then they start to rise, which makes us more, uh, you know, free flowing and energetic. And then mid cycle, that's when you see us at our most horny, more playful, more competitive, more aggressive. And then they start to fall and dip again. And that's where we are very in tuned with our emotions. That's when we're calling you on your bullshit. That's when your shadow is going to come out. She's that's, pointing the finger at me while she yeah. says this. Yeah. <laughs> that's a perfect reenactment. And yeah, so this is this is where the crone will come out. We are very in tune with our intuition and our our inner wisdom because as those hormones begin to fall, the immune system dips and we are super in tune with our our higher self and and the the higher chakras. And we can sense everything. And I, you know, for lack of better words, bullshit. We smell it and sense it. And that's a good time to, you know, create space with your woman. So that would be in the fourth phase of the cycle that's premenstrual. And that's why I hate that they call it a syndrome, <laughs> premenstrual syndrome, where women are errat- erratic and emotional. No, it's because we are so tuned in to all of our emotions, everybody else's emotions, and it ca- makes us crazy. No, we are just so tuned in. And um, and so uh, that's a good time to sit down and and counsel with her and and do reflect on, on say, the month back past. And... Um, to a cellular level, women are different. Uh, our immune systems are different. And for the times now, like we can fight viruses off. The estrogen compounds in men cannot stop the replication of viruses. The estrogen compounds in women can. That's why you're seeing double the amount of men falling from this, this current virus right now. And they just had that study come out just a couple of years ago, which is crazy to me. And so uh, women are, are phenomenal, and uh, we can get into that 
later or you could just link the podcast with Paul because that's what the my course is all about. It's it's the only course which still blows my mind that is out today as of now that details all of the variations of how women are different from each system of the body down to the cellular level and why why we are still programming them different, why we are still assessing them differently. Why are we? Or why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we studying them? Why is the science still looping them into uh, the average male, hundred sixty-five pound human? One size fits all, right. as with everything else, from and diet to tossing out all this information and <clears throat> diagnosing them the same and prescribing the same amount of medications, vaccinating them the same, and you know that's it, you know even even. Phones, keyboards, instruments, equipment, everything is based on male measurements when clearly women have vast different uh, measurements and sizes and everything. It's all male measurements, the average, you know, five foot 10, 160 pound male. And so, you know, through all of my research, that is what women are trying to compensate for. And we wonder why the third and fourth wave feminist movements were brought out with outrage. And, and so that's, that's the, the energy that you're seeing is just outrage and now masculine women. And now the, what is the response to that? Feminine, you know, men, men who are, you know, now scared, <laughs> they're scared to like even make a move. And, um, I, I have lots of lots of feelings about that because, you know, men can be dominant and they can be scary and they can, you know, but portraying them as criminal perverts is not the way to, you know, create any sort of change or connection. And because women can be just as um, criminal because <laughs> we, we have it up here. <laughs> we are just as manipulative and uh, criminal uh, psychologically we can use both sides of the brain. That's another thing. I guess I could give that one away. Should I give that one away? Yeah, we can use both sides of the brain at the same time. Men are one side focused. That's why they were good hunters. You know, you have to just be focused in, on one thing. Women are peripheral. So we can use all of our senses at the same time, and we can use both sides of the brain at the same time. That's why we're good talkers. That's why I'm talking so much. <laughs> and, and, and there's 30% more synapses between the left and the right hemisphere than, than, than right. we do. Damn. So we can think and talk. That's why we're good at multitasking. We can draw, create, uh, imagine, fantasize while we are analyzing, organizing, strategizing. So that makes us very good manipulators. <laughs> so we are emotional while strategizing on how to use those emotions on you. Mm. And so that's, and that can be a very unconscious thing. And, um, so we, we can be just as on the, uh, on the attack side with that. It's just psychological, um, uh, men it's physical. So we, we need to find that common ground and women just need, we need to be aware of that and accountable for that men. Yes. They're big and, and physical and scary. Um, and, we can be a victim of that, but men are, are victims of us too. They're victims of our psychological warfare and our psychological manipulations. And we need to be um, accountable for that. 
we need to step into that and say, yes, we we do that. And, and we need to come into an awareness of that. We need to be conscious of that because it is a gift we have, uh, but we need to use it for our good and for the good of our men. And we need to use it to uplift them, just like men need to use their strength and their power to protect us. So right now, there's a lot of both being used for not good. Yeah, we see unconscious masculine, unconscious feminine on, on yeah. all sides of the coin. And we mm-hmm. see those in that role reversal. You know, this reminds me of a story that Anahata told me when her her daughter, she has twins, boy and a girl, her daughter went to the women's march uh, when Trump was going to be elected. Mm-hmm. And immediately she was like, oh, she got the little, well, this isn't going to be what you think it is. But in her daughter being old enough and a young adult, she wanted to not only give permission, but just like, let me see if I can see a, a place to observe this. So she just said, hey, I want you to pay attention to one thing. When you march with the women, see if they're marching in love for women or see if they're marching in anger and blame and resentment and judgment. Right. And she came back and she was like, mom, you were right. There was only like five people there that were talking about the love for women and everyone else was, you know, hate speech and nasty signs and right. yelling and screaming and chanting. And, and it was just really hard to be around, right. you know, like it was not in love. It was, it was an unconscious masculine archetype mm-hmm. that all the women had, were drawn to. And this is important. I mean, it's, it's, we talk about these things. I mean, it's, it's for people who have studied Jung or Czech or, you know, who's well studied obviously, but, um, and really taking a, a, a look at why archetypes are important. And I think, if I recall right, you guys might know this, but Czech's um, four podcast series on The Pain Teacher, he really yes. talks about why the archetypes are important. And, yeah. a, and you can listen to it on a podcast without diving into Man and His Symbols and a lot of these other really hefty books um, to uncover that. But they're an important lens to look through. And the the bottom line is, if we if we don't understand how these affect us, then we don't have language to use on how to find the right way out of it, right? Right. We simply go through life with blinders on. And, you know, to your point, it's funny because right when you started bringing this up and you were talking about how if the man has not healed his inner child, he will look to his partner as the mother and not in a good way. I mean, fucking right when quarantine started and shit hit the fan and I was dealing with a lot and we have a little girl on the way and I've really have been called to practice working with the conscious feminine energy in myself, you know, not just from plant medicines, but just from our little girl being on the way. I started processing a lot of stuff with my mom. And just like you said, Alex, I'm in a great relationship with both my parents now. I love them dearly. And my mom even called it. She's like, as you finish the work with your dad, you might have some shit come up with me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, all right, you know, we'll see. And sure enough, I was wrestling with Bear and Christian and uh, Tosh was yelling at us because we were, we were, tickling Christian and not letting him breathe. And uh, my mom always used to tell us to stop wrestling, like if she thought one of us was going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And I just, I looked at Tosh and I was like, I go, quit fucking yelling at us. You're acting like my mom. And then like immediately when it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh my God, here I did it. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And like had to unpack that, thankfully, yeah. with ceremony and, and with apology and, you know, the tools that I have to be able to see where that comes from. But mm-hmm. like that was still buried in from when I was seven years old. Yeah. Like there's the fun police again. We're not allowed <laughs> to play, right? And then it just fucking slapped that label right onto her rather than seeing it as 
A, maybe she has a point. Mm -hmm. B, she's likely in a highly protective state because she's in the third trimester of pregnancy and she's seeing through the lens of care and nurture and not overdoing it. And then that really just unpack that. But I mean, you're everything you're talking about right now, like again, if you don't, if you haven't heard of this stuff, I know it can seem out there and ethereal, but it really does give us very tactical tools and a means to start to explain um, some of the ways we navigate through life. Mm-hmm. And they've been, as I've dove into the archetypes, and, and Alex, I definitely want to give you space here to dive into the masculine archetypes. It's just created a whole world of different lenses for me to look through in yeah. life. And I think that they're incredibly valuable and important. So again, if it's your first time, I get it. But uh, stay with us here because this really does make a lot of sense. Archetypes are amazing though too. I mean, and that's, and the, I mean, Alex will get into that too. But if you even look through history, you can see the development of archetypes just in, in history. And just going back to that, you look at the third wave of feminism, um, Vietnam War, when, when men were forced to go to war, a war most of them didn't want to go to, what happened while they were gone? Women were burning bras. They all decided, this is my body, whatever, like, and the, as they had a right to do. And off to college, they were doing all these protests. These men came back from a war they didn't want to go to, watched the most horrific shit that they, they went through, lost men, uh, came back with no limbs. It was horrific. And what did they come back to? Women uh, protesting, uh, marching, uh, chanting all these lyrics about how horrible men are. You can't touch me. This is my body. Fuck you. Like, what a mind fuck. And it was outrage. Right. It was an outrage against men. Well, guess what? Guess who is now running our Congress? Those men. Those are the men who are now in Congress. That's the time that they are. Like those men who were in Vietnam and in college during that time, those are the men who are now in Congress and in our Senate. So now you wonder why shit is the way it is. So like you can see the effects actually in, in, our, in our society now as a result of those things, as the, you see those archetypes and how the psyche works and, and the results that happen and play out. And so that, that's the shadow. And now years later, decades later, look what happens as the result of those shadows and those archetypes. And so that's why we agree. We agree. Like archetypes are so important to study. It's important to understand about yourself because there are consequences, long lasting consequences that happen. And, you know, I'm trying to rein in my 14 year old cause she's man, her wild woman is developing right now. And I just, I want it to be healthy. Uh, cause she's, you know, she's got a hold of uh, social media, I don't, one social media, and she's got a hold of all these friends and influences. And I'm just, I'm trying to rein that in and develop it in such a healthy way because that's going to last. Yeah. The rest of her life, yeah. So. I'm thinking about that with bear who will be five probably, you know, he'll be five when this podcast launches in a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, Chuck talked about that in one of his, it might've been the pain teacher. I think it was, you know, how he was, you know, a wild man, a young man with an unchanneled wild man will do stupid shit, like drive really fast on freeways, you know, where you're mm-hmm. not allowed to drive fast and drink copious amounts of alcohol and get into fist fights and just do a lot of, 
um, things that may be okay or could lead them to their death in an early age, yeah. right? And I see that in him already. And so it's like a, you know, just not, a, you don't want to break that from our children because it's a beautiful gift to have, but you also want to be able to steer it in the right direction, right? Yeah. right? Well, let's jump right into the masculine since we, we, we use bear as a segue here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting that you said drive cars really fast and try to kill yourself because that's that was my after death. That's kind of been like there's an absence of life, you know, and it was it was a uh, like, what am I what, like? There's something beyond this, you know, kind of like even with like the, the dangers of uh, of plant medicine, you can see beyond so far that you're like, wow, this life like doesn't carry past that and there's nothing there's nothing that will mimic the amount of love you will feel after you die here on earth and once you feel that without any boundaries it's like well what's the point of being here when there's something way more beautiful on the other side just like the grass is greener on the mm-hmm. other side but then later i come to realize that the grass is greener where you water it and so creating heaven on earth is really important and now at this point in my life I can put words to that before they were just like feelings like mm-hmm, that makes sense like this feeling of nonverbal telepathic understanding yes but how do I articulate that and so when I was when I was younger uh, yeah driving my car 130 miles on the highway and then you know great spirit looking after me because no cars or like there's cars weaving in and out and then I get pulled over going like six miles an hour over the speed limit in my neighborhood <laughs> three days later and I'm like oh but I was just doing that you know and it's like <laughs> oh because there's there's something looking after me like hey stupid stop this you know and jumping off high buildings and riding my bike off of like past cliffs and like over cliff edges and you know Sarah just gave birth to a kid. And I'm like, let me jump out of an airplane. <laughs> you know, and then she's watching me with Ari in her car in, in the stroller, just like, please fucking put your feet on earth, you know? And it was like little things like that, that chasing it. But then was the second time that died that gave me purpose. And I was like, oh, that's what all that behind the veil, that's what I'm trying to develop. So that way I can sustain that. Because what people don't realize is the love is so strong behind the veil that it pushes you back into a body because it's so intense. I mean, like the most intense love you've (laughs) ever felt in your life, like every child of yours being born at the same time of all your sexual orgasms and experiences and love and all your loves and all your first lusts and all your first uh, like good feelings, all that at the same time, time is infinite, just sustained, just mm, the whole feel. And it's just so overwhelming that it's like, all right, I'm not ready for that yet. I gotta, I gotta figure this out first. Unpack your death real quick. I know you've died twice. You've mentioned it here. I've, I've heard uh, the stories, but for some people they're like, is it an ayahuasca death? Is it a real death? Like, like explain those deaths because these are real deaths. They're not ayahuasca deaths. No, the first the first death I was three. I had laryngitis, and um, and um, they, I was in the hospital in Ukraine. The hospitals were not like they are here. So once, <laughs> yeah, not so great. Yeah, and so when I had I couldn't breathe. So the nurse came in and gave me sleeping pills. And my mom's like, "Why is he unconscious?" And she goes, "Oh, he's sleeping." And I and she goes, "Why is he sleeping? He can't breathe." And she goes, "Oh, we give him sleeping pills so you can get some sleep." And my mom was like, I'm not here to sleep. I'm here to make sure my son's okay. 
So I'm sleeping. I a couple hours later, they find me blue. I'm like full on no heart rate. And so in Ukraine, what they do is they bring you into the ER. And when the moment they cross that that room divider, you can't be in the hospital anymore. You have to go home. And so now my parents went home while I was in the ER. And then they cut me off. I still have a scar. I think it's here. A scar here that they had to suck all the pus out on the lymph nodes because everything was so blocked up. I couldn't breathe. They gave me a tracheotomy in my throat. Um, uh, They had to, none of that worked. No resuscitation worked. So they had to revive me with adrenaline in the heart. And then. uh, Like like, uh, Pulp Fiction. Straight up. Damn. Yeah. And the craziest thing is my parents would never would have found out because they don't tell the parents what happened. But my grandmother worked in the hospital and she went rifling through files, pulled my file and saw what they did and then told my parents what happened. Damn. Because the next thing my parents saw was they came into the hospital and I had a tube in my throat and I talked like a robot. <laughs> and they were like, there's this three-year-old boy and my dad couldn't even be in the room. He was just so distraught. My mom was like, okay, I got to hold back my tears and make sure this he feels normal and bring him coloring books and talk to him because my dad couldn't even like stomach what has happened to me. Yeah. And they had you leather strapped to the bed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had to, yeah. They had strapped me down to the table and they were like, we're going to strap you down. And I said, don't strap me down. And they're like, I'll, I'll be a good boy. And then they... Did it anyways. Did, and then they did that shit, yeah. Damn. Yeah, so um, that was... I still haven't fully experienced that in any ceremony i would i had an experience like that during tai chi where i saw i saw like six shadows above me and then i felt one in the back of the room and then i was like sarah i was just doing tai chi and i was like coughing and like i couldn't breathe and it was like felt like i had pus coming out of my mouth and sarah's like your mom said there were six doctors in the room and i was like holy shit you know so it's like little things like that where i'm like i didn't know that because my parents won't tell me Things even to this day, they won't tell me. But when they drink a little bit, they tell Sarah everything. <laughs> I don't know why they tell me, but they won't talk to him about it. Yeah. But they just, they get drunk and just tell me everything. It's so crazy. But it, is, it sounds very traumatic. Yeah. It's like, imagine if it were Ari or Bear at that age. Yeah. Just on a fully conscious, just having a big, just knife in the throat and tube shoved into their yeah. lungs, fully awake. Oh, my God. Yep. I don't know what I do, but and it happened did. to me, and I still don't know what I would do, you know. <sighs> but um, so the second time was um, a more planned one, where it w- it was still on a journey. It was with a shaman. Yeah, Sarah was there. I didn't know what happened. I just held my breath until everything left. Oh, this is five meo. Yeah, and mm-hmm. everything left, and then Sarah watched my eyes roll into the back of my head, and for several minutes. Yeah. So then we. So then the shaman had to revive me, and then I came back and I was like, "Hey, what's what's uh what's what's going on?" He was like, "So what was it like?" I was like, "I can't put it into words." And he goes, "All right, so you went there," <laughs> and and then before we started everything, I was like, "We're gonna go meet God today because you died when you were little, and we're gonna go see what all this fuss is about because you can't remember anything about it. So let's go see what all this fuss is about." So and I've been practicing the Wim Hof stuff. Wim Hof technique, so I can hold my breath, like, and it was, I've already controlled all that panic, so I can hold my breath until my body naturally gasps for air. Mm-hmm. But with this, it was just, like, my breath left my body. And yeah, your, was, your soul was out, so it's probably... <laughs> and I yeah. had twice as much as him, 
and I was straight as as a church lady on Easter Sunday. And I've been holding my breath since I was born, I feel like. Yeah. And I was just, I was still just, yeah. just zero focused. But I was, I was truly holding the space for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, had, I've had, definitely had some ceremonies where um, same amount as before, you know, whether we're, you know, specifically with 5-MEO actually, where uh, I hold my breath just as long and I don't go in a quarter as deep. And then I realize like two minutes into it, oh, I'm here for so-and-so. Yeah. I'm here on behalf of the collective. Mm-hmm. I'm here to, mm-hmm. you know, th- I've, I've had my my privilege to be able to go and visit that space yeah. when it was for me, but now I'm here in the service of others. You know, and yeah, I and that's I've had, a, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's one of the beautiful things about the group space mm-hmm. that you learn in ayahuasca is that it's not my ceremony, it's our ceremony. Mm-hmm. And that shared experience uh, is beautiful because if it's through over the course of a few different days, you can definitely get to your space where you get the deep inner work. And there's other times, even within a single night, where you realize, like, I'm in the service of others right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a really beautiful space to be in. Mm-hmm. And we take we take turns like that a lot. And I've had ego deaths. And, you know, this was not that. You know, there's times where I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know who I am. I don't know where I am. I don't know what's going on. And we've talked about all these things. And I'm like, yeah, just, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm back, you know? But... This remind this experience reminded me of the first time where it was just like I can get into that space with just thought and I can be like, yep, this is what it, I remember this feeling, but I don't know how to put words behind it. I don't know what this looks like or feels like or but then that that space when I got into with the shaman, that's what that's what I was like, yep, this is this is my childhood. This is what I saw. People have their own experiences, and I remember being able to recreate, or you know, luckily, spirit showed me what that was like and what the afterlife is like, and it's just I came back with way more purpose. Mm. And now, because before I was like, "Well, fuck it, I'm going there," and that feels awesome. But now it's like, "Oh, there's a lot to do here." Yeah, and there's always time to go there. At any point, you can go there, and you'll never have here again. And so. Um, I just have this weird perspective on life where it's like, I like the hard stuff. You know, I, I like the lifting heavies. I like the getting deep into something. I like getting, that's why I attracted this woman because there's no one ever triggers me. And if you think you're in a relationship that it's going to be, you know, I don't know, smooth sailing the whole way and that's the perfect relationship, then you're missing out. Like this woman not only does she love me the most and I love her the most, but she also triggers me the most <laughs> out of any person. And it could be something stupid that I could look over every, every person that I would say, say that that would ever say that to me, but she just gets under my skin and that's good, you know? And the beautiful thing like about relating this to other people and especially men is after all these death experiences and like knowing what comes after, at least in my perspective, I've, I, I've, I've seen what happens after. My breath, my soul leaves my body and doesn't come back for 10, 15 minutes. What else is there to do except just be better? So when Sarah is over here like triggering me and telling me in her crone phase what's going on with me and I think I'm this high crone mighty person, phase. crone archetype yeah, window and I think I'm high and mighty and think I'm the man and I'm the king and... But then, what else is there to do? 
And even if I argue, is she right or is she wrong? Does she have my best interest? That's the first thing I look at. Even though I'm pissed and I can't control what I'm doing, my first thought is, she has my best interest. Why would she tell me this to make me worse? Is she doing, is that true? No, it's not true. This woman is only trying to make me the best human being, the most aligned human being, and I trust her for that. No, because I'm fucking smart. And the, if the best he becomes, like, the better our, our family is. And, and he knows that. Yeah. But, you know. And she, I, I trust <laughs> that she's not trying to make me worse. You know? Yeah. And there are times where I'm like, ah, she's, she's also triggered. And this is coming from, let me just settle this. But still, regardless, she's always trying to make me better. And I can't argue because I'm not my best. So when I am at my best, now I can put my foot down. So at so many times, because she is ahead of me, she has lived more life. She, I am trying to catch up on so many different levels. I need to catch up. You know, I need to put my trust into someone that has my child, that we share bank accounts with, that we share a dream with. So all the people that are in a relationship, hopefully you can trust your person, you know, that they had your back no matter what. And um, I don't know if this is the perfect time to get into the archetypes. Let's do it right now, yeah. brother. Yeah, I've been, I've been waiting for it. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's dive right into the male archetypes. So, so that's, when, that's when, you know, the, the king doesn't want to be controlled, you know. And then, but the king, there are so many different kings throughout our, throughout our lifetime and that we've seen in history. There's good kings, there's bad kings, there's, there's tyrants, there's benevolent kings, there's all these different ones. And they all have a shadow and they all have a light side to them. And so what I've been diving into and what I've been really called into is almost taking, because each, each of the, each of the, the king is, is the fire, you know, the lovers, the water, they balance each other out. And then you have the warrior who is the earth, who's made out of the earth, you know, who's solid like earth, who takes care of his body, grounds himself in his purpose and is contained through earthly movements. And, and um, then you have, which is balanced by the magician who creates things out of nothing, right? Is very logical and very mathematical, but also very heady, very like, I'm going to follow this thing and see where it goes. Like a lot of people do. Like they're like, go mad. And they're like, I'm going to go do this thing. Air element. Yeah, the air. Yeah. But what I started to realize is you can't just balance yourself with the lover or you can't, it's, you know, it's really hard to balance yourself with the good attributes of like, oh, just, just be that. You know, how many times have people are like, just be better. And you're like, how do you do that? Like, okay, I'm still, I'm, I'm okay. So I'm, you know, not sleeping with every woman. I'm, coming in contact with, but I still have the urge to, and I don't understand why. So it just takes deeper like therapy to go into each one of these things and find out what the, the child is that's, that's needing to be healed. But also behind that, where do you need to go in the actionable steps? You need to go to be the, the archetype itself. And these are just only four. There's so many more archetypes that people get called to and, you know, builders and fools and magicians or magicians, one of them, but, um, you know, shamans and engineers and advocates there's so many different ones and if the if you don't follow at least your path you're going to be lost and you're going to be in the shadow of all the other ones but it's easy to use the 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 warrior king lover magician because most men have that in them that they need to balance universal the universal ones 
And so what I've come to realize is each one of those has its own fire, earth, wind, and uh, air element to them to create balance. So this is something that I've been playing with going, okay, well, if the king, you know, has a fire that's too hot, you could go look at the fire element within. Should I just tell them about the tarot, how I popped everything in? You can. That's going to get hefty. Yeah. So I, so, <laughs> so here's kind of like what I've been, my <laughs> magician has been going crazy. If the listeners don't know much about tarot, like. Yeah. So I put <laughs> many archetypes for the archetypes. I put, I assigned a tarot card that matches and balances out each of the four archetypes. So each archetype has four individual tarot cards that balances out. And each tarot card has a whole list of to unpack. So if you're wondering like, oh, my fire of my king is too hot. Well, just being just more like healthy fire doesn't soothe the soul. So you learn from the water of the tarot that harmonizes with the fire of the tarot. So you go, this is what I pay attention to. And once this balances out, I can participate fully and more balanced in the wholeness of the, the king card, mm. of the king archetype. And so without unpacking all that, because it's, it's kind it's of- It's a, a podcast in and of itself, it's, for it's sure. It's a mess, it is yeah. for sure. Archetypes are, can really, really run deep. And that's where, like most of our coaching is archetypes. And, it, you know, I do the same thing with the four universal feminine archetypes. And, and it's all developmental. So if the maiden, which is one of the first, that's like the gateway to femininity. And that's, you know, between four to ten, four to twelve maybe. And if that is not developed in a healthy way, you either have a wounded maiden or an unevolved maiden. And if that happens, then, you know, you have the maiden and then the wild woman, the mother, the crone but they kind of skip. If you have a wounded or unevolved maiden, you're going to have a shadow mother archetype. Same with the wild woman. If, if the wild woman is wounded or unevolved, you're going to have a shadow crone or wise woman. And so you can't heal the mother archetype of, in yourself until you go back to the maiden and figure out, are you unevolved or are you wounded? And then you need to work that out. Then you can heal the mother and so it's, it's, it's really deep stuff. But once you start working with it, it's so insightful. It's, it's so enlightening. And it, it becomes very um, exciting once you start getting into that and learning about yourself through these archetypes because you start seeing your life in a new way. It's almost like we were just talking about that the other day. Like we change our minds all the time. We change our mind about when we're going to go to bed. We change our mind about what we're going to eat. We change our mind about who we're going to vote for. We change our mind. Like we are always changing our minds on a daily basis, minute to minute, hour to hour. Like just looking at the archetypes through the timelines of our lives, we can change our minds about deeper level things. We can change our consciousness. We can change our perceptions. We can change our beliefs. That's stuff that will blow you out of the water. There are beliefs that are that are capable of changing that you don't that you're not even aware of one and that you are don't think you would ever change. For instance, like there are things happening now because of this this pandemic and the quarantine. Things are starting to normalize a little bit right now. However, 
what's going to happen in the fall um, that I've seen and that, that we've seen coming up um, just through journeys and just through like looking through um, other lenses and just politically, culturally, globally, how things are going to change and the shift in consciousness that's going to happen. Um, we have to be prepared for this. Uh, so many things that people are about to experience just on a conscious level, uh, belief systems is going to knock them on, on their, like, I don't think people are prepared for this. And, and they have to start looking at their belief systems. If you start looking at just the news in itself, it's that the media is getting desperate on what they're posting, their headlines, the, the things that the headlines are saying. Uh, Alex and I have started looking at things a, a whole lot differently. And I think people are going to start looking at this on the other side of it, just, just even in the fall, September, October, you're going to look back at April, March, and go, I, my, my mind is not the same. And so we, that's how you look at archetypes and timelines of your life and go, like, I was, I don't even know who that person was. But there's healing that has to go through. You have to go back to that person, and you have to work with that person. You have to work with yourself and give yourself forgiveness because there's a lot of judgment. You judge yourself for thinking these things. You judge yourself for being so stupid or making the wrong decisions or like, you, that still happens on an un, unconscious level. And so we, you, we work with those archetypes on that level. And so I think also that's why we're doing the online coaching now is we, we see that there's su such a conscious shift happening and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and it's going to keep rolling and the people that are are here now that are going through this that are experiencing this and that are, are kind of on have an awareness of of things changing and happening right now um those are the people that are going to be part of that change people listening people that listen to your show they're part of that too because they're they're on that level they're on that level of consciousness and they're aware of it and those are the people that we work with because we know that they're capable of that change. And we know that when we work with people one-on-one, -on -one, we're, we're helping one person be a part of that change. And now that we see what's coming, we know that it's way, way bigger and, and a part of our purpose and calling to reach more people. Because the more people we reach even if it's 50, those 50, if they help one person, that's 100. If those 100 people reach one person, that's 200. It, the wave just keeps going. We need to reach more than just one-on-one -on -one person. Yeah. And, and we've never done any sort of, yeah. you know, we've always been full one-to-one -one, one -on -one coaching, mm -hmm. but now's the time to start helping people and getting consciousness, um, you know, on another level. Yeah. We just noticed people don't have a framework. Like, you know, our parents didn't have a framework of how to talk to us, how to educate us, how to guide us. They were just like, Oh, you're here now. Okay. I think this is right. And that's right. Okay. You're being too loud. And so like, you know, there's so like, that's why I was having a hard time unpacking these archetypes because there's so many, 
and everyone's called to different things. You know, whether you're a healer, shaman, builder, fire, fire, firefighter, or, you know, hero, um, cause firefighters would be a hero, someone that, you know, and that's the other thing when you misappropriate where you are, like a lot of doctors, you know, they're healers and heroes, but now they're a lot of businessmen. Cause you're like, man, I can, I can make 500 K and all I got to do is go to school for eight years and I got, and I'm set. All right. I'll be a businessman. You know, I'm a businessman. I'll be, I'll be this hero. And then when, and then you, they're the ones that seem to fall apart. They're not loving their work because they're not in it because they're not, that's their archetype. They've, they're in the shadow of the archetype because they're not, they've chosen the wrong field for them. And they're like, this would be easy. I know how to manipulate this situation. So it's a shadow getting into a shadow and, and same thing like, Hey, I, I want to be a firefighter, but really you're a fool. Like you're not going to run into a burning building to save people or you'll die in there, you know, but a hero will run right in there. They're like, I know I have a family. I know they have a family too. They need my help. I'm running in. And so kind of kind of like pivoting back to that king warrior um, magician lover is it's a good framework for people to work with outside of their outside of whatever their true callings are, you know. And um it it gives people like a good sense of balance going, okay, where what do I focus on? Because the potential is hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of things to do in this life. Thousands, millions of things that you could pursue, feel, experience, billions. I mean, And how do you know what you want to do or how do you know you're rooted in what you are are going to be and what your purpose is until you're whole? And so universally there are, you know, in in all women and all men, universally there are these archetypes. You know, there's the hero's journey in women and men. And until you're whole and you're integrated in all aspects of your life and you are aligned with that, how, how can you fulfill your purpose and, and use your gifts and give those gifts to the world? You have to become whole. And so that, that's, what, that's what we want to help people do. That's what we want people, we want to make them whole so they can give their gifts to the world because that is what the world fucking needs right now more of that shit and and because it's still coming we're not done like they you know we're coming out of quarantine we're like crawling out like you know baby spiders of the nest right now but it's there's going to be more waves of of this stuff and i don't think it's the virus i think it's political i think it's going to be the economy and i think it's going to be all the silly games that all these people are playing and and there's there's still stuff going on behind the scenes and those games aren't over yet and we need to be prepared for that we need to prepare ourselves for that and the people who have something to offer and they need to be rooted and they need to be grounded because those are the people who are going to inspire others and, and they need to be ready for that they, they're they're going to be the ones that are going to inspire others to be rooted and to be grounded and and to go for their passions and to give their gifts to the world that needs to continue to spread not hide in our homes and be tucked away and worried about you know taxes and the economy and where we're going to get food so we need more of that more more people going after their shit and 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 you know sharing their gift yeah yeah doesn't it doesn't help when you know Kind of like that, the same thing with the archetypes I was talking about is when you're in your shadow, it's like, just be the light. And it's like, no, 
address the shadow, understand why you have the shadow, acknowledge that you are that, that if you are mad at Hitler, well, you have the same qualities that Hitler is capable of inside of you too. So you're mad at that guy because that's the part of yourself that you can't yeah, lo- love him, love him. Or, I mean, not love him or hate him. I think everybody universally hates Hitler, yeah. but for the most part, <laughs> he was um, in the wrong path. Yeah, love him or hate him. Jordan B. Peterson, he beautifully states that. Like, if you think you're like, how could they fucking do that? How could the Holocaust happen? Like, that's that is less than a hundred years ago. This mm-hmm. didn't happen in a time where the human brain evolved since then or that consciousness took leaps and bounds since then. Mm -hmm. Like everything that's in your fucking body was in their body. Everything that you, that that makes you a human being. And still you might argue with that, but the point is like, it is in humanity. We are not fucking far removed from it to do the most atrocious possible things to other humans and to the earth. And it's the acknowledgement of that, that gives us power over it. It's the ability to look at it and say, okay, that does exist, but I don't have to choose it. But you acknowledge it. You don't look away from it and pretend it's not fucking there, right? And that kind of goes back to that, the buffalo medicine that I've talked about a lot on this podcast. You know, when the the Native American buffalo wisdom is that when the storm comes, the buffalo get shoulder to shoulder and go head first into the storm. They don't try to outrun it because that makes the storm last longer. They go head first, right? And so like you take that on with, any challenge you might have in life, knowing this is the quickest way through that, right? And you you pony up right next to your kin and go headfirst into it. And I think we always have work to do outside of whatever fucking pays the bills. Like, what are the things that really give us joy in this world? It's self-discovery. It's, it's know thyself. Yeah. Because that allows us to be better at everything. Whatever mask we have as a dad, as a son, as a brother, as a wife as a mom, whatever that is, as an employee, like that improves all aspects of life dramatically when we begin to know ourselves better. Yeah, I mean, it, and just as an easy example, since we're using Hitler as a topic of discussion here, I mean, look at, look at, look at his main shadow qualities. A king, because he was a leader, but he was a shadow king, right? Then you have the magician. Look what he manifested with his words. Shadow magician. What did this guy need more of? He needed to probably work out a little bit, keep his mind right, and he needed to rest and be get more into his lover. So he abandoned his lover and his warrior, did his bidding like a king, and manifested this atrocity, and that's now documented in, in, in history. But just looking at that obvious example, that could be applied to each one of us individually because... Um, you know, it was many years like I would be looking at inspirational quotes, and some of them are like, "Yeah, I can, I can work on that. I, can, I, I believe that." And then as I like work on myself, like I'll look at a Gandhi quote, like, "Be the change you want to see in the world," and I'm like, "Oh, that makes total sense now," because now I have full faith that, you know, looking back at my Ukrainian parents that that brought me here, you know, wearing tracksuit wearing, you know, borscheating, you know, vodka drinking, you know, and well, they quit smoking now, like three years ago. And, uh, but they smoke for 30 years. And then, so I moved out with Sarah and I'm just like, they come here and they feel better every time they quit smoking. They are doing Tai Chi with me. And I didn't say a word, but when I was growing up being the check in there, I was like, you got to cut gluten out. You got to do this. And they were like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm not going to do any of that. And so they're, they're the children that rebelled against me trying to parent them. So I'm like, oh, there's the rebellion back and forth. But then I was like, fuck it. You do you, I'm going to do me. And then by me being me, 
they're like, wait, I feel better being doing what he does. And now they're, they bought Thai fisherman pants. They're taking walks. They're eating. They're shopping at Whole Foods. I mean, they yeah. quit smoking. They drink more water. They go to bed on time. I mean, it's it's crazy. And, if, and the energy of that's different too, you know, because it's not just advice. Yeah, it's it's felt. Mm-hmm. I had I had that come up in a five meo journey, where I was thinking of um, different ways to connect to my mother, you know, and 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 the ways that I could help, you know. And it was just you must you must know peace before you can teach it. That was the only thing I wrote down from the whole thing. I was like, holy shit, I must know peace before I can teach it. Simple as that. And to be the embodiment of that thing on an energetic level, like right now, and of course, you know, again, we're, we're talking about a lot of ethereal things and some concepts that people might not be familiar with, but heart math is verified. The heart energy field does exist. They can map it when it's open, the heart chakra, it's eight feet in all directions. So as we sit at this table right now, all of our heart chakras are interlinked with one another. Mm-hmm. We can feel into each other's energy. It's one of the reasons I absolutely love doing this podcast face-to-face, and I'll take the Zoom calls when I have to, but if it's felt, if we are lifting ourselves up to be a better person for ourselves to begin with, that's also felt with every interaction we have at the grocery store, at work, with our parents and our family, and that's oftentimes the easiest doorway in if you want to help someone else. It's just them feeling your light and your love and like, hey, what's different? You feel you're awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, tell me yeah. more. You know what I'm saying? And there's a receptivity in that when it comes, especially when that energy is in balance with the masculine and feminine. Then that that is granting permission for the feminine to come in and ask about it and want to know more and want to receive that. Yeah. I wanted to add something. It was a... And- there's even shadows in, in being good. Like when you're like, oh, help someone at the store, help, help the old lady across the street, help pick up trash. And then the shadow to that is, why isn't anyone helping me? And then you start getting down in yourself, like maybe I shouldn't just do these nice things because no one does not for me. And then I'm entitled to have these nice things. But then it's like now you're getting caught up in the shadow of just being a good person. And then so there's something missing. So then you got to go deeper into that. I mean, this stuff never... Or the shadow of doing it so that you are seen doing it, yeah. so that you are doing it to be good. Like, you know, well, that's a shadow. Validation. Of, mm-hmm. Shadow yeah. of the mother, the martyr. Yeah. Yeah. That's very common also. Yeah, it's, it's funny. For women. Yeah, we have, we have our, our, our nanny and she's, uh, she's um, always asking like deep questions. And then she's like, but what's after that? And we're like, this is after that. And she's like, Oh my God. Okay. And then she like grasps a concept and then she's like, but now I have this question. I go, yep, that's there now. And she's like, oh, okay. I gotta go think about this now. And then she like, it's, it's fun. Cause you know, she's young and she like hits a wall. And then I remember hitting all these walls and then being like, there's more just breathe. You You're know? 20 years old. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You know, yeah. but She's thinking these things. We think these things. There's people that have never even dove into one of these thoughts. That's now you open up that box of the childlike curiosity and it could, it breaks people sometimes, you know? So, you know, then you got to worry about who is the healer that's helping them and are they opening that box too quick? Are they shattering realities? Is that right? Should I give them the answer to that? Should I give them time to come up with their own answer? I mean, no, you always have to ask the spiritual police. Like you can't just show 
people. That well, that's that's the important part of um, that's the ethics and and of coaching is that you can see so much about people and and what they're doing wrong and what they're doing right. You can't tell them the answer. You can't tell them this is what you have to do and this is what you did wrong and here's what you know. You can't tell them. You just have to like guide and give them doors and because if you do that then you're you're taking away their power you're making them dependent on you and then what happens when you know another thing comes up then they're going to need you and so rather than being able to do it themselves so you that that's where we see a lot of different you know coaching modalities where it goes wrong because they're just and a lot of therapy, you go see a therapist, a psychologist, or a psychiatrist, that's literally, that's all you do. You sit down and you talk, you tell them, they say, this is what's, this is your diagnosis, what's wrong with your head, and here's a worksheet, this is how you do it, because that's what's wrong with your brain, and here's a prescription. And so that's, I, I feel like where so much of uh, today's, you know, diseases and diagnoses and pathologies are, are wrong like the there's the the book of psych the psychology and psychiatry has a book of diagnoses in 1959 it was uh is when it started there were like 149 um clinical diagnoses yeah clinical diagnoses. you know pathologies of the mind now there's over 380 something categories wow. of pathologies one of them is sexual identity confusion. Another is alcohol drinking. <laughs> like there's, there's just like over 380 something just categories. We went through them laughing. We're like, we are so messed up. Yeah, <laughs> but that's also pharmaceutical industry yeah, yeah. because the pharmaceutical industry wants to be able to, you know, prescribe for anything. Yeah. And, you know, so giving people like the answer is literally taking their power away. Whereas if you can help to just kind of steer and guide a little bit, and it's like having the ship and the sails and you're just kind of a little bit over here, and it helps them to be able to say, ah, yes, and they have their own answer. I had a client just a couple days ago, and he's probably going to listen to this and know exactly who I'm talking about. But he came in and he was like, I'm having this thing and I don't know how to, there's so many different thoughts going on and you know I can already see the outcome I'm like I know what you need because I'm, I'm working with you I'm feeling I know where your path is going you've told me so many things I've read through all your paperwork and I have an idea and um, you know he's asking this and then I go well is it this or is it that and he goes well it's kind of like this and I go okay cool is it kind of like this and like this and then as we like strung the one thought out and I go well if it can't be this if it's this so is it this or that? And then it's just this, uh, and then I called it like this, like you put like four sets of headphones and you wound them up in your pocket and you just shoved them in and they're nicely wound, but then you're walking around all day and you wake up the next morning and you pull them out and they're all stuck together and you're like, how did I do this? Now I have to untangle all these thoughts. So it's kind of like untangling your headphones until they're like, uh-huh, this is a coherent line of headphone. I can plug this end here. And after the whole conversation, he was like, you, you knew what I needed to say, didn't you? I was like, yep. And he goes, but you couldn't just tell me? I go, nope. And I go, do you know why? He goes, because I wouldn't have learned anything. I go, yep. 
And I go, now you know the process that I went through with you so you can do this yourself next time your thoughts get tangled. Because guess what? Do you think this has ever happened to me? Yep. My thoughts get tangled every day. And then I just practice untangling these little headphone-like thoughts. But if I never taught you that in this present moment of how I go through it, you would never know this whole process. And he's like, you know, now that you've done that, it feels so simple of an answer now. I go, yeah, it's always been simple, but we just make it complicated because it's fun. But we just don't realize it. (laughs) We're just bored, so we complicate our lives. That's why if you have a dream, you don't need a crisis because you're like, "Uh uh-huh, I don't need to complicate my life. This is where I'm going. You know, oh, clearly my warrior's messed up because I'm eating too many sweets. I'm not going to bed on time. I'm not nourishing myself. Okay, take care of the warrior. But if you haven't experienced the indulgence of the shadow warrior, you know, who is lifting, running, doing things that is hurting their body, you know, protecting the wrong people, you know, eating the wrong things for the body, feeling sick, being disempowered until you're like, I've had enough of being the disempowered shadow warrior time to kick it up so you've saturated yourself with the shadow experience like that pivot like i had when i got arrested that changed my life i won't if you leave a pen here at my house i'll make sure i leave it out that you get that pen back because i never want to disappoint people like that again i have saturated myself with that that experience i'm done (laughs) right so it's that doesn't even roll through my mind alcohol doesn't roll through my mind gluten doesn't roll through my mind there's so many things that just don't entice me anymore that just don't roll through my mind because I've saturated myself with the pain of that experience to no longer desire that experience not from like an abstinent mind but from like a pure I value life affirmative actions moving forward yeah yeah we we stretch ourselves in all directions just to find the middle path that's right Mm -hmm. for us yeah yeah and that that psychology behind the to your point it shifts from the I can't have this to I choose to eat a certain way. I choose to live a certain way. I choose to go to bed at a certain time because I know what the opposite of that feels like. Mm-hmm. And I've lived it enough to know the difference. And I get to. I get to yeah. go to bed. I get to sleep in a bed. Yeah. I get to go to work. There's so many people without work. I get to go and kiss my fiance wife. I know we've been together so long. We just blend it all together. But my partner. I get to kiss my partner and like I get to hug her and I get to grow better with her. And it's like, but it's like, okay, yeah, you choose. And it's like, what, what is the other one? Like, uh, I, uh, I forgot what the more devolved ones are. Um, I have to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I have to just get better versus I get to be better. Like you could be dead. You could be worse off, but mm-hmm. you get to be where you are now by the choices you make. But now you can, you get to participate in life if you choose to participate in life. And how cool of a fucking gift is that? Considering that how carefully planned we are and how, how much of a cosmic fucking mystery it is just to get your soul into the uter- into the egg of your mother's womb to have your soul and conscious development plugged into that. And what are the fucking chances of all your ancestors having sex and staying alive long enough for you to be here right now? Mind-blowing. And then you just piss it away for life experience, you know, of pain, which is okay. You know, as, as like... No, gluten... And, and and as someone that's been on that other side, I'm like, I, I, I'm no longer trying to save the world. 
I'm here to save the people and show demonstrate the to the people that want to grow, and then through my actions creates change, not through mm-hmm. my flapping of my gums all the time. Even though I'm flapping my gums right now, <laughs> <laughs> I flap my gums enough for you. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's good. Well, we've had some good fla- gun, gum flapping here. Yeah. We're, we're an hour and 30 in. Um, we're definitely going to set up a code for people who do want to do coaching with you. And I want to set up a code for uh, what you guys are offering online as well as through the Czech Institute with your women's program. Mm-hmm. And um, But where can people find you online? Where can people find you on the gram or any other places? And I'll have a, also I'll have a code for your guy, your people who are watching or listening also, uh, who can have twenty five percent off the women's course. So it's also Amazing. for women and men. It's great. It'll help explain everything different about women, um, and and help with relationships with women as well. Yeah, um, yeah. and they can find us at uh, primalfusionhealth.com. Yeah, and then uh, women who raise hell for Sarah health.performance.engineer for, for me. And then our combined one is primal underscore fusion. Mm-hmm. And, um, on Instagram. Yeah. On Instagram, yeah. And that's, Phenomenal. We'll link to all that in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. I love you guys so much. Oh, we I'm love so you thrilled too. to find you guys on the podcast here. Yeah. We love you too, Kyle. Awesome. And the family. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's show. Uh, Alex and Sarah have such a wealth of knowledge. These guys are absolutely incredible. They're doing integrative coaching to energize your health and performance, elevate creativity and emotional intelligence, and expand your awareness within all levels of consciousness. Uh, we just really scratched the tip of the iceberg with these guys today. So if you have, uh, if it has piqued your interest and you're curious in learning more, these guys are doing a ton of cool stuff, but they're basically offering their online coaching at a huge discount at 12 hours per month for only $400. And I can assure you, it will help you with everything from your relationships to your connection to the earth, to your connection to your body, to really sorting through anything that you haven't been able to get through, any roadblock. You know, they've worked with so many individuals that seem to have all the answers except this one injury that kept coming back or this relationship they couldn't resolve. Uh, The same fear, financial roadblock or obstacle to expressing creativity, power, truth or following their intuition. They've heard it a thousand times. All of the experience and the knowledge, all the tools that have been added and are just being used, the books, the courses, medicine journeys, the workouts, training programs, supplements, blah, 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 all of it. You know, and the quote that they get is, I already know all I need to know about all of that. I just don't know why blank keeps happening or why I just can't blank. They know, they understand it, and these guys are prepared to take you through that, to punch through the other side, to break through the plateaus and become the best version of yourself. Visit primalfusionhealth.com slash Kyle and you'll receive all sorts of free stuff. And if that tickles you further, then you can continue to work with these guys as I have in the past and learn so much from them. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week.